Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks again for joining us. A lot to talk about this week. Some good news out of the courts, both for our nation's sovereignty, the battle against the illegal immigration crisis, plus a big victory for justice for General Flynn. I'll give you the details on that. On top of that, we have new documents that are uh, are going to really knock your socks off on Benghazi that uh, not only tell you a lot about what was going through the corrupt Obama White House's head during the Obama during the Benghazi scandal, but how that all ties into Obamagate. And then we have new documents about Hunter Biden and where he's been going and where he had been going during the first part of the Obama administration. You'll be interested to hear about that as well. Uh, but first up is the go- good news for General Flynn. Uh, an appellate court has granted General Flynn's motion, I guess it's a writ of mandamus, has granted the writ and has ordered the court to dismiss his case. It was a two-to-one decision. There are three judges that heard the case. Two of them uh, agreed with Judge uh, General Flynn that uh, Judge Sullivan had no power under the Constitution uh, to order an inquiry uh, into uh, whether or not uh, the prosecution or the decision to drop the prosecution of General Flynn was proper, and even worse, that it should continue. As the uh, Judge uh, Rao, uh, Rao, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce the name, the last name is R-A-O, and I encourage you to read the decision online. As she points out, you know, some countries allow judges to be prosecutors, but not here in the United States, not under our constitutional system. So Judge Sullivan has been ordered to dismiss the case. Uh, Judge uh, General Flynn had asked also that he be removed from the case, uh, but they declined to do that. So what next? Is General General Flynn going to get off free? I hope so. Uh, Judge Sullivan, though, hasn't dismissed the case yet. I think he put a hold on it, put a stay on the proceedings, but he hasn't dismissed the case. In theory, although it's hard to figure out exactly how it will work because this is so unusual for courts to try to usurp the power not available to them under the Constitution. You're going to have, uh, are you going to have Judge Sullivan appeal the case, appeal the ruling? Or will you have the other judges on the court decide to take it up in full? Because I guess when you have a um, appellate decision by three-judge panel, uh, what happens is collectively the entire circuit, uh, all the appellate judges in that district can um, uh, consider the decision on banc, which is a kind of a, you know, all the judges meeting and figuring it out. I don't think there's any reason to do that. Uh, you'll see the decisions quite strong and adamant that there was no legal basis uh, that uh, for Judge Sullivan to do what he did. I call it judicial adventurism. And on top of that, we have new documents coming out this week that have been withheld criminally, in my view, by the Justice Department and the FBI from General Flynn that show, once again, Flynn is innocent. There were notes that Peter Strzok took 
and it's hard to tell where the notes are. Um, allegedly, they were ta they were written around the time of that infamous Oval Office meeting, where Obama, Biden, and others talked about the dossier and General Flynn and things like that, and and sicked essentially the FBI on General Flynn. Uh, Strzok had it looks like you know I'm speculating here, but the note suggests that. Uh, he was uh, debriefing someone who talked about it, probably Comey. And uh, the documents show that Comey said there was nothing wrong with the calls between Kislyak, the Russian ambassador, and General Flynn. Uh, Joe Biden raised the issue of the Logan Act, which is absurd. It's a law going back centuries. It's never been enforced, practically speaking, certainly not in the modern era. Uh, I mean, the idea that a law prohibiting U.S. citizens from essentially engaging their own foreign policy would apply to an income national, incoming national security advisor. Frankly, anyone raising that as a possible way to prosecute or spy on an incoming president should have been kicked out of the room. And the fact that evidently Joe Biden was doing it, doesn't that tell you something? Remember, Joe Biden also unmasked General Flynn. And also the notes show that Obama said, you know, be sure the right people are put on it. And raised the prospect of withholding classified information from the incoming Trump administration based on this garbage dossier and this fraud. So as, the, as you can see, these notes are exculpatory. They should have been turned over to General Flynn under law. Of course, there were other notes and materials and texts that showed that uh, he, they knew he did nothing wrong and they were just trying to railroad him that were withheld as well. And that's obstruction. You know, you have to go back here. This is the incoming national security advisor to the president of the United States, and they're trying to destroy his ability to do the job, basically blind the president in the exercise of his core constitutional duty to conduct foreign affairs on behalf of you, the American people. That's why I call it a malicious, seditious conspiracy. And when you look at what happened at that Oval Office meeting where the dossier was discussed, they all knew it was fraudulent, salacious and unverified according to Comey. And yet they used it to ambush President-elect Trump the next day. They knew Flynn had done nothing wrong. You had this January 4th conclusion Nothing to substantiate a claim against General Flynn. And they all knew it, yet they continued with the investigation after the intervention of FBI leadership, Obama FBI leadership. So they tried to blind the president by removing his, his trusted national security advisor, by manufacturing a case against him. Remember the note said, well, do we want to get him fired or do we want to catch him in a lie? and prosecute them. It's not the job of the FBI, quote, to get someone fired. That's a political hit. They've been sitting on these documents and Mueller pursued this investigation. You know what's interesting though about what the Justice Department has said about this? They've said, oh, you know, they've said there's no wrongdoing by the Justice Department. They're not admitting to any wrongdoing by the Justice Department. Maybe some bad guys over in the FBI, maybe. But nothing in the Justice Department. 
So as far as I'm concerned, the cover-up continues. Where are the prosecutions? Where's the grand jury targeting what targeting those who railroaded Flynn? I mean, and the coup continues. You had one of these Mueller minions go up on the hill the other day and once again talk about gossip he heard about interference in the Roger Stone prosecution. This is the prosecutor who tried to put Roger Stone in jail longer than the law required, twice as long as the law required. A Mueller prosecutor that Barr incomprehensibly let continue to pursue Mueller, uh, Stone after Stone, after the Mueller operation was shut down officially. Everything that Mueller did is compromised and should be considered corrupt. All the prosecutions. I don't care if he got anyone convicted or not. You just can presume, given what happened with Flynn, everything else has been corrupted. And then they've got their progeny up in the Southern District of New York. You may have caught that in the last few weeks. The other fake scandal where you've got the Southern District of New York going on a jihad against the president, making up campaign charges against him out of whole cloth, suggesting he committed crimes, targeting his lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, for daring to ask questions about Joe Biden. So they got a they got a never Trumper or a long termer or a deep stater, whatever you want to call it, at the Southern District of New York. And Barr wanted to put someone else in there. And he said, Well, you can't do it. And Barr said, Oh, yeah, I can. The president's firing you. And Barr had wanted to put someone in there immediately that he liked, but Barr, of course, compromised with this insubordinate official. and let his deputy take over. So things will just continue in the Southern District of New York. You know, I, I, um, I'm not, I don't mean to be hy hypercritical of Barr because he's got all these, you know, the Justice Department, I used to say during the Obama administration, when it comes to public policy, the Justice Department was a locus of evil during the Trump Obama administration. And a lot of those people, at least, at least uh, in terms of uh, the career, the career staff and just institutionally they just think they're above the law and their job is to make and suppress the president and try to drive him from office and you kind of see that in the southern district of new york you know bars what he's trying to do publicly is he's being smeared the democrats are talking about impeaching him for doing his job again He's reminding people of our constitutional system that these U.S. attorneys report and are supervised by the attorney general. And the left is trying to say that the attorney general of the United States can't do his job. And this is part and parcel of the way the left has been operating in the Trump era. The president can't do his job. He's not allowed to do anything. He's not allowed to talk to the Russians. He's not allowed to conduct foreign policy. He's not allowed to protect the borders. He's not allowed to fire anybody in the executive branch. Oh no, and we can't we can't accept any of his judicial nominees to the Supreme Court. He's not allowed to do any of the things that the president has to, has uh, the power to do under the Constitution. So the coup continues. The coup continues. 
So it was a big victory for General Flynn, a big victory for the rule of law, confirmation that Barr did the right thing in kicking the case out. But it's also confirmation of a vast criminal conspiracy against the president of the United States. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. They were trying to blind the president. And so you can see the kind of craziness with Flynn. Even, even still, they think they should be able to go after Flynn. And that's why I think the president needs to pardon him. I mean, he may not need to do it now, But certainly if a new administration comes in and he's not the president, they're gonna go after Flynn again. They're gonna go after everyone again. And I only half jokingly say this, President Trump may have to pardon himself. The insurrectionists are also in the administration and they're waiting to come in in terms of political appointees in the future. And who knows what they'll do? Maybe even eight years from now, he'll be, let's say he wins. The, Demer, the, the other side comes in after him. He should just presume the worst. And I don't say that because I, I say you should vote for one person or the other. I don't say that as president of Judicial Watch. I'm just highlighting the reality. I mean, we saw what happened during the Obama administration. And the same crowd is likely to come back either next year or four years from now. And it all we and the problem is none of them have gone to jail for their misconduct. So they're gonna do it again. They're gonna do it again. So this was an assault on the president, assault on his ability to conduct foreign policy. And that's why he should pardon uh, Flynn to protect the presidency and his constitutional prerogatives under under it, under the constitution. So the other good news this week is, uh, you, you know, President Trump. I, I, one of my, I always quote myself here, but you know, uh, I've often observed, let's put it this way, that uh, the best immigration reform would be actually to enforce the law, and President Trump. Uh, was facing this asylum crisis where people were flooding the borders, trying to break our system with the support of the left, leftist agitators that are now trying to take down our system in our nation's cities with fraudulent asylum claims where you're getting, you know, exponentially greater asylum claims, most of whom tend to be, tend to be meritless. And the problem is you grant the asylum claim or you say there's a reasonable fear and they get a hearing and they never show up for the hearing. So uh, they more aggressively enforce the law, which is to quickly adjudicate those uh, asylum requests initially and send them back home, remove them from the country immediately if they uh, were found not to have a credible fear. So what did the left do? Well, they've come up with this idea that the uh, habeas corpus, the great writ as it's called, applies to illegal aliens trying to enter the United States of America. And the habeas corpus rule, those of you who aren't familiar with it, essentially requires the government to justify the detention 
the detention of a citizen or a person. It goes back before the founding of the country. It's a, it's, it, we, are her, we inherit habeas corpus from, our, from the English common law behind the, that was present when the country was founded. Magna Carta. It's a glorious, glorious development in human freedom against the king or government generally now. So how does it work that you have a habeas corpus right to not be sent home? Well, seven judges, justices, seven. So that meant two liberals, Justices Breyer and I believe Justice um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg agreed with the five conservatives on this issue that uh, the habeas corpus is not appropriate to apply to aliens seeking asylum. And that Congress has given the authority to do this, do this uh, uh, that Congress has created this law that allows the president the discretion to uh, enforce the law as he's been enforcing it. And as a result, we, we've kind of gotten the border a little bit more under control. I don't want to underestimate the security of the border. But that crisis is largely abated in terms of the asylum crisis because people are being uh, either, they're either having to ask for the asylum outside the United States, which is another issue, or if they make it across the border and it's obviously they don't have an asylum claim, like the person who was complaining, who, whose case was being brought before the court, I think he was from Sri Lanka. He had been kidnapped and beaten up. He couldn't tell who did it, why they did it, or if the government was responsible for it. So the person, the hearing officer, the initial, the officer making the initial determination said, nope. And the left was trying to create a constitutional right to have those claims adjudicated beyond that initial determination and allow that person to stay here practically forever. It would have led to open borders, more so than they already are, believe it or not. So that was a big victory for the rule of law. And it's remarkable what happens in terms of controlling the immigration crisis or mitigating it when an administration is committed to enforcing the law. And uh, that's what Judicial Watch has been trying to do, which is to get the government to enforce the rule of law on immigration. I mean, that's, that will solve our immigration problem, enforce the law. Illegal aliens are not supposed to be here. They can be deported. We should deport them where the law allows. Local and state authorities who aid and abet illegal aliens, I would argue when they directly do so, they should be, uh, they should be subject to prosecution. Barring that, the law shouldn't allow them to even think about doing it. Of course, the law already does prohibit it. And if we had the local police, as opposed to uh, helping in terms of the enforcement of our nation's immigration laws, we wouldn't have an immigration, a legal immigration problem. Because right now you get over, you get across the border, 
and you become you, you get here illegally or you overstay your visa as many do and you reside here illegally criminally there's virtually zero chance you'll be caught and deported zero chance and I'm, when i say zero i'm only slightly exaggerating But if you were able to expand our resources to help have the police be able to inquire, but which they're not able to under the sanctuary policies that are controlling most of our city police departments, how about that for police reform? We let the police help us enforce the rule of law on citizenship. Maybe Congress can pass that rather than the harassing, hampering uh, laws they're trying to pass in response to the insurrection as opposed to confronting it they're enabling it further that's i guess another matter and judicial watch has litigation against san francisco and santa clara county in santa clara is just south of uh, san francisco san jose area over their sanctuary policies and we've sued in california and maryland we had news come out of maryland maryland uh, we had sued in california and maryland excuse me over their decisions to provide um, cash benefits to illegal aliens using the coronavirus as an excuse without the permission of the state legislature which is a violation of law and taxpayers have a right to challenge that well we just had the court who agreed with us initially that yeah it's likely they violated the law and yeah it's likely taxpayers were harmed by it he said well taxpayers don't have the right to enforce the law it's just overturned 100 years of Maryland state law and taxpayer standing. So we're repealing that obviously. But uh, uh, so the Supreme Court had the point being that Judicial Watch is fighting and has been for some time to enforce the rule of law on immigration. And we applaud the Trump administration's decisions to more strictly enforce the law at the borders to address the crisis. We need a secure border. If we want a republic, we need to have a secure border. If you don't want a republic, open the borders. If you don't want a country, open the borders. But until then, we just have to have a border and it has to be enforced. And thankfully the Supreme Court upheld that principle, at least indirectly this week. And I encourage you again to go and read it. Read Justice Alito's decision read justice thomas's concurrent decision i encourage you to read justice thomas's decision it's a concurrent opinion excuse me uh because he just he goes through quite thoroughly the history of the magna carta uh, excuse me the history of the habeas corpus the great writ and it's just fascinating reading so if you love your rights if you love your freedom if you love our individual rights that have been uh, uh we, we've been able to achieve it through our western civilization you're going to want to read that decision you're going to want to read that decision although i have to say i was reading that decision i was reminded of the fact that the supreme court had granted essentially habeas corpus rights to terrorists caught overseas and kept overseas which is a wild abuse of power that was a 5-4 decision just like this one was a 5-4 decision going the other way they didn't want to address and overturn that earlier decision but i guess that will be for another day so you know Supreme Court will be issuing other decisions, one, I believe, on abortion soon, the other on President Trump's taxes. Oh, the uh, Again, 
the coup cabal trying to uh, break his civil rights by requiring him to turn over his taxes and so they can do fishing expeditions against him. Complete abuses of power. So uh, we'll see how the courts handle that as well. So a lot coming up from the Supreme Court soon. So enough about the courts. Let's talk about what Judicial Watch is doing and what we've uncovered. So you remember the Clinton email scandal, right? Well, it grew out of large, in large measure, uh, Judicial Watch's lawsuit to get information about Benghazi. And our, frankly, our Benghazi investigations were the most consequential non-governmental investigations in America's history because it uncovered the Clinton email scandal, it uncovered the Benghazi scandal in the sense that it led to the creation of the Select Committee on Benghazi. And as a result of the Clinton email scandal being uncovered, Hillary Clinton is in president. That was the, that was the, how history was changed as a result of our work. Not because of anything Congress did, not because of anything the Justice Department did, was because Judicial Watch knew the lies about Benghazi and the attack itself was a scandal without measure at that time. And we put enormous resources into figuring out what went on. And we did. And we caught Hillary Clinton in her email scandal. And we caught the fact that the White House, not the intelligence community, but it was the White House who concocted the Benghazi lies that a video made them do it. It was a spontaneous demonstration as opposed to a well-planned, well, uh, uh, fully uh, uh, conceived for some, had been conceived in terms of, uh, uh, been planned for some time, it was a terrorist attack. They all knew it at the time and they lied about it. We proved it. Why did they lie about it? it? Was because they wanted to keep President Obama in office. So they lied about intelligence. Does that remind you of something? They lied about intelligence to keep an election result the way they wanted it to be, which was the re-election of President Obama. So they didn't want it known widely that there was a terrorist attack, the murder of our ambassador and three other innocent Americans, something that could have been prevented. They didn't want all that known, so they lied. They said it was a video. It was spontaneous, spontaneous demonstration. Couldn't have known. We found out they had every reason to know. There were all sorts of warnings, securities, threats. And who was who was concocting the lies out of the White House? Well, we got the document. We got the smoking gun document, Ben Rhodes, national security official. I think he was deputy national security advisor. And so we have these new documents that have come out because we've been asking about the FBI's fraudulent investigation of Hillary Clinton. And they've been giving us documents confirming it was fraudulent. But we got some, because it was Benghazi related, interestingly how the criminal investigation of the Clinton email case by the FBI and Justice Department uncovered Benghazi material. Is that interesting? Let me show you the contempt they have for the rule of law and our democracy. So these documents show, so going back in time, the attack was on September 11th. A few days later, September 16th, then Ambassador Susan Rice, Benghazi Susan, as some people call her, went on five television talk shows and lied, 
Sunday talk shows, the full, the full Gunsberg, as they call it, went in line in all the talk shows saying a video made him do it. When in fact, they all knew it was an attack. And she, as we have uncovered in the documents, specifically knew it was an attack. Not a demonstration that got out of hand. So on September 27th, the cat's more out of the bag. It's pretty clear that they couldn't suppress the information about it being a terrorist attack. And so there's this email communication between Ben Rhodes in the Obama White House and Hillary Clinton's chief of staff, Jake Sullivan, deputy chief of staff, Jake Sullivan. Also involved was Tommy Vitor, who was the national security spokesman. So they're sitting around these emails and Rhodes uh, Sullivan says, what's the plan? What's the plan here? Talking about Benghazi. Broader plan is, Rhodes writes, is IC, intelligence community, acknowledgement of an evolving, evolving assessment of what took place, what happens to be true, which, excuse me, let me start over. A broader plan, the broader plan is an IC, intelligence community, acknowledgement of an evolving assessment of what took place, which happens to be true. Unlike just about everything else we've seen reported on Benghazi, an evolving assessment. So he's saying he knows what's gonna take place. And the way they're gonna spin it is, it's an evolving assessment. So this is not the intelligence community operating on its own. This is the intelligence community, their evolving assessment being orchestrated directly out of the Obama White House. The reason we have an intelligence community, the reason we have intelligence is for them to independently go and take a look at material, not independent in the sense that they just do whatever they want. But on the issue of Benghazi, they do an investigation in, in theory and they report the facts to their customers the president and senior officials in an administration. Here, the outcome's preordained. So they're abusing the intelligence community to get a preordained outcome, which is an evolving assessment, meaning, oh, we initially thought it was, an act, it was a demonstration, but as more information came in, it became clear it was an attack. That's a lie. That's not the way it happened. How do we know it's a lie? Because we have the man who wrote this email we have his other emails. Where he told Susan Rice specifically. When she's going on the shows, that was an effort to reinforce President Obama and to portray the attack as being rooted in an internet video, not a failure of policy. So they were trying to actually use the attack to make Obama look better by lying about it. And how does this tie to Obamagate? Well, you see, they were manipulating intelligence and lying about intelligence to get a political result so that the president could win re-election. For the next election, they manipulated intelligence and lied about it 
so they could get a political result to try to short circuit the Trump campaign. And after that, to get a political result to overthrow or attempt to overthrow the Trump campaign. There's nothing new under the sun when it comes to Obama corruption. All the abuses you hear about with Obama in 2006, excuse me. Yeah, I guess it's 2016, how quickly time goes by. They had run-throughs. You had the abuses in 2012 with Benghazi and the lies about intelligence. You had the FBI and the Justice Department, the IRS and other agencies being used to target and suppress the entire Tea Party movement and any opposition to President Obama in 2012 as well. Those agencies were abused in 2012. There was nothing new. So they just did it again in 2016. They used different topics to target their political opposition, but they did it once before and it worked the first time. I say between the IRS, you know, especially the IRS abuse, which suppressed the entire Tea Party movement. That's how you steal an election in plain sight. That's how Obama, Obama, as far as I'm concerned, stole the 2012 election because he abused his powers to suppress his political opposition. Did he literally change votes? No, of course not. Well, I don't know. But I do have evidence his political appointees in league with the allies in the Hill used the IRS to try to suppress his political opposition. And they kept on doing it even after he won. Even after he won. So by the time Trump had come around, they had already they already uh, had the wheels in motion. They already knew what to do. They already had the playbook. So isn't that astonishing? Now this stuff is not as, uh, it's more of a kind of an indictment in terms of the attitude they had, this other material that we've uncovered, but it's something you'll want to know about. They start talking about, joking about being called liars as it relates to Benghazi. Rhodes says to Sullivan and other officials whose names are redacted for whatever reason, at least you're, not, you're only a liar. Could be worse, we're liars and we're also allegedly leakers. So you've got that going for you, which is something. Sullivan replies, we're only lying foot, foot soldiers, sick. You're lying masterminds, that's cooler. Then someone else replies to Sullivan, whose name they redacted. I prefer that we go by henchmen, has more of a Marvel comic sinister sinisterness to it. There should be a cable show where all the guests and the anchor have to wear polygraphs. But when there's a dispute between the source, the aggrieved parties take a poly with some neutral third party rendering judge, judgment, the biggest liar. I don't even know what that means. Roach says to Sullivan, I like to go on television and tell everybody what I think. Look at it this way. It could be worse. You could be a career bureaucrat whose greatest thrill in life is to leak, is leaking half-truths 
self-justifications and outright lies to the likes of Eli Lake, Kim Dozier, and whoever else picks up the phone at Fox News. Whoever picks up the phone at Fox News. So they're joking about how, how they kind of like being called liars about this terrorist attack. What do you think of that? I mean, they just were caught lying, by the way. They were caught lying about it. <laughs> I remember when we first uncovered the document that showed that Rhodes has orchestrated these lies. And you had the Obama people go out and say, well, it doesn't say what it says. And even, even our enemies in the media said, what, what are you talking about? And then they're joking about being called liars and kind of reveling in it. I mean, it shows their contempt for the rule of law. It shows their contempt for the four innocent Americans who were killed that day. Murdered. Then again, it shows that Ben Rhodes who was the Obama White House senior official who created the false story for Susan Rice to lie to the American people with in order to help Obama stay in office, was planning to orchestrate again another fake story, the evolving explanation that the Benghazi attack by the Intelligence Committee, the evolving explanation about the Benghazi attack written, you know, created by the Intelligence Community, all of which was designed to help Obama's reelection. So again, abuse of intelligence to achieve a political result. It happened in 2012 and it happened again in 2016. So if you wanna know why, why they were interested in Obamagate, why they used uh, these abuse, excuse me, why they abused, how they were able to abuse the intelligence community so easily to spy on Trump, we now know because they did it in 2012. And who knew all about this? Who knew it? General Flynn. General Flynn knew about Benghazi, you can be sure. And he knew what they were planning on Obama in terms of uh, uh, on, the, on the Russia smear. Certainly he was gonna figure it out. And in many ways, that's one reason he was targeted. So speaking of scandals, Judicial Watch is, uh, again, front and center on a scandal that everyone ought to be interested in. I think most Americans are interested in, but no one's doing anything about, which is the Biden-Burisma-Ukraine-China influence peddling scandal. You remember Joe Biden, he's running for president. Well, his son had gotten a sweetheart deal obviously a no-show type job from Burisma in the Ukraine. It was their insurance policy to protect them from corruption investigations. Certainly they paid off when Biden went in there and threatened, got a prosecutor fired by threatening withhold a billion dollars in aid. And then of course, you had the Chinese give a special concession to 
Hunter Biden's business worth potentially, uh, I think, one and a half billion dollars in business. It's not clear how much money directly went into Hunter's pockets. Business that was effectuated during at least one visit to China, uh, an official visit to China with Joe Biden, that Hunter happened to be on the plane with him on, Air Force Two. So we had noticed that members of Congress had asked about Biden's travels, uh, specifically Senators Johnson and Chuck Grassley. And um, so we said, we want those records too. give them to us. That's what, you know, sometimes that's what we do. You know, Congress, everyone thinks, well, Judicial Watch, you're coordinating. Congress doesn't tell us jack. They don't tell us jack about what they're doing. And when we often find out about what Congress is doing because we see a letter somewhere. Say, well, oh, look at what they're asking for. They must have some information. We'll ask for that too, because unlike Congress, when we get the information, we disclose it to the public. Congress doesn't always do that. So in this case, we saw that they were asking for Secret Service records about Hunter Biden's travels. Where else was he going? Was he on Air Force Two? Was he on Air Force One? Were there government planes? Now, the Secret Service responded to the senators, but the senators didn't release the information. But because we had FOIA'd it, they sent the response to us. And we found that Biden was provided, Hunter Biden was provided Secret Service protection on 411 flights, 29 countries he visited, including five visits to China. And so this means the Secret Service was providing him coverage and which security, which is appropriate. He's the, I, I, I think it's appropriate. It's the vice president's son, President uh, Biden was vice president at the time, obviously. So they provided, they usually provide the uh, children of the president and vice president uh, secret service protection. Now it doesn't say, the documents don't say whether he was on government planes here. The secret service told the senators to go ask other agencies, which we'll do as well. Five visits to China. You know what's not in these documents? Any visits to Ukraine. And by the way, this is only a portion of the Trump Obama administration's Hunter Biden travel, meaning it was like the first five years, not the full eight years. So he's hired in April of 2014. We get the records from the beginning of the Obama administration through May of 2014. And there are no at least Secret Service connected visits to Ukraine. Now, isn't that amazing that you're able to get a job in Paris in Ukraine for a major national conglomerate without having to visit the country? Or at least not having visited it within the last five years prior to you getting hired? I guess it's possible, but it certainly raises additional questions about the circumstances of the hiring, don't you think? Don't you think? So I'm sure uh, other uh, reporters are going to be looking at these documents. The, the visits included Ethiopia, India, Argentina, France, Spain, Canada, Dominican Republic, China, Belgium, Spain, United Kingdom, Egypt, South Africa, Denmark, Hong Kong, Mexico, France, Colombia, Russia, Russia, 
Ireland, China again, Switzerland, Italy, Japan. I guess I'm repeating myself some of these and Qatar. So this is just, we didn't even have to sue for these documents. So this was a nice one because we got the documents. So they compiled them for the senators and we asked for them and we got the information that the senators didn't release, but we're releasing them to you, the American people, because we think you have the right to know about this stuff as timely as we can make it available to you. Now we have multiple lawsuits on Biden. Hunter Biden. I think there are seven lawsuits now that Judicial Watch has pursuing in federal court. The State Department has essentially shut down its FOIA operations, so we're not getting much out of them. And so the coronavirus is benefiting Joe Biden. In my view, there's no reason to shut down the, the, the FOIA operation. I've complained about it. Nothing's been done. The FBI largely shut down its FOIA operation, although they started getting it back up again. So the real question is, is why is the State Department stalling the release of documents? Because they've had these documents for months. They know what we're asking for. You can bet they've been gathered and they're ready to go. They're just, they're just sitting on them. They're just sitting on them. But the Burisma scandal ain't going away. The Hunter Biden scandal ain't going away. Those influence peddling scandals aren't going away. And now we know Biden's involvement with the Russia gate and Obama gate and the Flynn targeting and the Trump targeting. It's a whole other raft of scandals that Biden needs to be held accountable for. And it looks like Judicial Watch is going to be your primary vehicle for that accountability. And we're going to keep up the litigation when it, whether he wins or loses. And the question is, is the deep state going to protect Biden like they did Hillary Clinton in order to grace his way into all power? So we hope the courts don't do that and force them to turn over the records, but we'll see. So you can be sure that Judicial Watch will continue to do the heavy lifting on behalf of you and the rest of the American people for full accountability for, again, what has been the worst corruption scandal in American history. Have a good week, and I'll see you next time here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.